0: What do you do when their bad mood suddenly becomes your fault? Hi, welcome to another Being Human Conversation here on Business Mindset Mastery. Thanks for joining me. We usually keep it about work around here, but every once in a while, we just have to get real and talk about being human. I'm Heather Gray. I'm a mindset and leadership coach. I work with business owners, leaders, and entrepreneurs. You can always find me over at choosetohaveitall.com. And I got caught up in my inbox the other day, um, and it, it sparked a conversation. Conversation that I wanted to have with you guys on the show. And I hope you'll bear with me. It's not a business conversation, even though I have a feeling this is probably a business situation people find themselves in from time to time. But I happened to catch that somebody had commented on one of my blogs um, that I had written probably close to two years ago. And when I look at this blog, I've written maybe 20 or so blogs on my website because it was before I discovered podcasts and realized I like chatting with you all far more than just writing it out. Um, but any, in any case, somebody had read a blog entry of mine and commented with a question. And you know, this is the only blog entry of mine that has any comments whatsoever, I think. And it's this idea of what do you do when a partner blames you for their stress? I had gotten back in the day, I was a relationship um, sort of advice columnist for the Good Men Project. And I would get letters all the the time from readers asking me for advice about their you know various relationship woes and this um, listener not listener at the time I wasn't doing podcasts sorry about that this reader of my blog and my articles had uh, sent me a question about her relationship and talked about um, how her husband was always blaming her uh, for his stress that if she would just do this one thing differently if she could just try that if she could just not do this everything would be better and and this is an article that has just sparked a lot of attention. I've had people reach out to me about it outside of the article for commentary and different things. But I, you know, the first at first look, I think that kind of question of, you know, my husband blames me for his stress. He, you know, tells me that if dinner was just on time, everything would be fine, that if I had just remembered to do X, Y, and Z, he wouldn't have gotten so mad in the first place. At first glance, that sounds like a conversation we're having regarding domestic violence. um I want to be clear that that's not the conversation I'm looking to have with all of you today. I feel like the response to domestic violence situations, emotional abuse, Abuse situations is very different when we enter in the clinical space. I, you know, want to remind all of you that I'm a trained clinician. <laughs> I've worked in mental health for a variety of years before I moved over to the business space. So I am adept at having the conversation and I certainly have the experience to back it up, but I'm not talking about removing yourself from an abusive environment. That's not the conversation I'm having. If that's the struggle you're having, I really strongly you know, strongly urge you to get some help in consultation with a local therapist who will be aware of local resources available to you. What I'm talking about is more of your regular everyday. When people are stressed, when people are in a bad mood and they take their bad mood out on you, how do you respond? How do you deal? And how do you navigate those really hard conversations that can often lead you feeling defensive, i <laughs> on guard and sort of on high alert. I think even if we leave abuse out of it, that that's a conversation a lot of us find ourselves in. And it often happens with the people who are closest to us. So it's our family members, it's our closest friends. Sometimes it's probably, you know, colleagues that you are, you know, working more side by side with and engaging more intently with on a regular basis. But this idea that somebody has a bad day and takes it out on you or somebody's really tense and stressed about something going on at work and then comes to the house and snaps at you at the first sort of um, thing that goes awry. That situation is something we all find ourselves in from time to time. It becomes a pattern of how we're treated when we accept it. When we say, Oh, so and so just had a bad day. That job is so stressful. Like this person didn't mean it. It, it, you know, I, I'm being too sensitive. I should just know to, you know, keep space or keep my distance until, you know, the dust settles. But. Sometimes, you know, people get in this other habit of managing the individual, of trying to avoid the person's bad mood, of trying to dodge whatever insult, whatever impatience, whatever short comment might find their way to them because it seems easier to dodge and avoid and sort of cushion the blow, if you will, rather than confronting the situation head on. But so often this dynamic is the root of toxic relationships Relationships, because it becomes the patterned way the couple interacts. It is really easy and understandable that if somebody has a bad mood, they feel pressure inside themselves. They're feeling tension rising inside. So maybe their boss was overly critical. Maybe they were in boatloads of traffic on the way home. Maybe they tried their best and their best didn't work out. And it feels like a pressure cooker. And the steam is just rising from above until something, you know, sort of impulsively comes out of their mouth. We all understand that, we've seen it. We know it's happened with ourselves and sometimes it's isolated incidences, but like I said, sometimes it also becomes a patterned way of acting. And when people matter to us, when we have a relationship with them and we're close to them, it's so easy to give them the benefit of the doubt, to give them a pass, to tell ourselves they didn't mean it, they don't realize what they were saying, everybody has a bad day, I'll just, you know, dodge better next time. But what ends up happening is we teach people how to treat us. The reason why this article of mine, and I'm going to link to it in the show notes for you so you can read it and check it out, because you'll see that so many other people have written in with similar questions. And again, my answer is all the same, is that it becomes a patterned way of interacting. And when it happens to us, the only thing thing we have any control over is what we do in response, because we can't control what someone else says or does. We can't control, you know, if somebody takes their bad mood on us. But what we can do is not allow it to continue by setting a boundary and responding. And what I've learned in my time, you know, what I usually say when I was in therapist mode is what I've learned in my time in the chair, like <laughs> sitting in the therapy office is so Often people don't have the hard conversation with their loved ones because first of all, they don't want to seem unsupportive. They don't want to seem insensitive. But then the other piece of it is they don't really know what to say. Because I think what ends up happening is when we understand why someone's acting out, it's, it's tempting to make it okay, to write it off for ourselves, to not take it seriously. But what ends up happening over time is that treatment piles up and it wears us down in it eats at us and it, you know, it changes, it changes our ability to move through the world because it starts to change the story we carry about ourselves. That over time, when we allow ourselves to be kind of the punching bag and the receiver for someone else's bad mood, we're teaching the world how to treat us. We're telling the world, it's okay, your bad day is more important than my bad day. The thing that's stressing you out is obviously way more stressful than anything else going on my plate. And the reason that pattern exists is because it's so hard to say, hey, hey, whoa, whoa, stop, stop. Like, I-, I see you're upset. I see you have something going on here. But we need to talk about this differently. That conversation can be so awkward and so hard that people avoid it. That's often why boundaries aren't set. It's not that it, people think that they deserve it. It's not that they, you know, everyone's Mother Teresa and has all these extra cheeks that they just can keep turning for somebody else to slap them. It's because that conversation, the how you're treating me conversation is a really hard conversation to have. I think we see this in business all the time. I think business owners see this on the regular with how their clients treat them. And I think that friends see this because that suddenly there's this, you know, rule of friendship that we we put up with each other's crap sometimes. And it certainly shows shows itself up in long term uh, marriages, relationships and partnerships that when you're (laughs) when you're stuck with someone 24 seven, you're often going to be the recipient of their bad mood and figuring out how to do that dance is really tricky. And it starts with the conversation. And I think what ends up happening is the idea of telling somebody you don't get to talk to me that way. This is where you end and this is where I begin. It sounds in our body and in our mind so confrontational like we're picking a fight but we don't need to guard up like that we don't need to armor up like that that temptation to sort of warrior up and armor up and say i don't like this and you're being inappropriate the fighting words only ignite the conversation they don't lead to resolution again, the reason why I added the caveat to the beginning of this episode is we're not talking about patterned, you know, ways of abuse. We're not talking about, you know, issues that really need to be managed with professionals and with professional assistance. We are talking about your regular everyday, this is how we move through the world when someone's, you know, just in a piss poor mood and not sure how to deal. Because that's the stuff we can solve with conversations, because It implies it's two people wanting to be in a healthier relationship. When we're talking about abusive dynamics, we're talking about somebody who's choosing unhealthy relationship dynamics as a way of moving through the world and as their preference. This is distinctly different. I'm talking about people who perhaps lack some emotional intelligence. I'm talking about people who get entirely too comfortable with the safety net that close relationships can offer. Because sometimes I think that when you're in an intimate relationship, you think you have more get out of jail free cards than you actually have. So what I would want people to do, and what I consistently try to offer as guidance in this article that, you know, continues to get so much attention, despite how much time has passed since I've written it, is that when you are in these relationships, you can have a conversation that offers awareness and sensitivity while also setting a boundary. That was the core piece of advice that I offered in the article, and that's the core piece of advice that I'm offering to all of you today the idea that when you notice a pattern of impatience, when you notice a pattern of irritants that your partner or your friend or your co-worker just seems chronically irritated with you or chronically impatient with you or overly critical, you can respond in a way that respects yourself and also the other person and the relationship the two of you have. That respecting that relationship Showing sensitivity to your partner, your friend, your coworker's issue does not mean taking it on the chin. It does not require that you keep turning your cheek, but you do need to stop the interaction and have a conversation. And often, what I suggest to people in terms of how to have this conversation is to tell the other person what you already know about them and what they're dealing with. So you can say, you know, so and so. I understand that things have been super hard for you. I know you're sitting on that deadline. I know you got that piece of feedback and you're sitting on an unexpected bill and I know you're really stressed. But I gotta tell you, the way you're talking to me, it makes me feel as though you're making me a part of the problem. And when you make me a part of the problem, I can't also be a part of the solution and I would really like to help. To say you're doing this I understand why you might be doing this, but despite that, it simply isn't working for me. But then what you need to do, and this is the part that so many people fail to do. This is the part, if you will, that kept me in business for a while, is that so often people say it once and then they don't do anything else after. So they say, Hey, it looks like you're having a bad day. Like I'm happy to help, but you can't blame me for your bad mood. I was nowhere around this. And that, and then the conversation ends. But then what ends up happening is they get snapped at, they get, you know, greeted with impatience again, or, you know, somebody makes a snide comment. And suddenly you're doing it again, and you're either going to say like, hey, that isn't fair, or you're going to skip it, which is what a lot of people do, thinking that they're not taken seriously, that the person really didn't care, and the person really didn't listen, rather than recognizing that setting the boundary and saying, hey, I see you. I care about you, but this is where you end and where I begin, that part, it's only the first part of the equation. The second part of the equation is responding to repeated disrespect or chronic disrespect or the next episode of disrespect once you have that conversation, that first half of the conversation, because that first half of the conversation is laying the groundwork and it's setting the foundation, but it doesn't really count if you don't have have your own back if it happens again so if it's asked and answered and it just happens once and somebody you know sort of snaps at you once and you say hey i'm not sure that was called for and you get the apology and it never happens again good for you like you're d- this is all done and dusted as my uh friends in the uk like to say but if it happens again that's when you really need to show up for yourself. And that's when you need to say, hey, I talked to you about this the other day. I understand that work is really hard right now, but you're coming home and you're taking it out on me. Or you're jumping into my office and you're greeting me with a rant and that's really changing my energy. Or you are X, Y, and Z and it's making me feel A, B, and C. And because I feel those things, I end up wanting to D, E, and F. Because what ends up, Happening in those moments is someone's impulsively crapped on you, and then you're taking it and you're quickly reacting to it. What I want you to do is slow your part of the interaction down. You don't have control over the whole conversation. You can't control what someone says to you. You can only control how you respond to it. So, what I want you to do is kind of slow your role a little bit, as they say, slow this down so you can get really clear. And what you need and what you expect to have happen next to say, listen, I know you're managing a lot, but this isn't working for me. I know A, B and C, but here's what you need to know about me and follow it through with your behavior, because that's the piece of accountability that is so often missing. It's so easy to keep talking, 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 but when we fail to do something, when we fail to act on our boundary, we're still teaching people how to treat us. And, you know, I got to tell you, my friends, I have learned this over and over again the hard way. I've learned it with mental health clients who were so distracted and distraught by their mental health, you know, symptoms that they take it out on me and they say, things they would you know, wish that they hadn't said or do things they wish they hadn't done, but they're so overwhelmed and they're so frustrated that they just, you know, crap all over me. And the reality is, is it would be so easy for me to say, oh, this person has a mental health condition. They can't help it. But that's garbage. That mental health person can help it for interactions with other people. They're just crapping on me because I'm the safe person to crap on. Plus, I'm the person who understands where they're coming from. That's why so often people, when they're struggling, take their struggles out on the people who are closest to them. That's why this is such an important conversation to have, because we're not always going to be talking about clients taking their bad mood out on you. Sometimes we're talking about your loved ones, and you need to be able to manage it. And if you have that conversation, if you point out the pattern of behavior, and then the pattern of behavior continues, you owe it to yourself to do something else. And now when it was my mental health therapy office, I could tell people to leave. I could say, listen, I know you came here looking for my help right now, but you're coming at me. And when you come at me, it makes it impossible for me to help you. It's your defense. I understand that you're hurting. I understand that you're upset, but you don't get to talk to me that way. So let's pick up this conversation next time or next week or something. Because again, the more you participate in the conversation, the more you allow it to happen, the more that chronic disrespect takes route, it takes root rather. But here's the other thing, is I've had to do this inside my marriage as well. Because if you can imagine, like shocker, that when you're, you know, my husband was suddenly paralyzed two years into our dating relationship, he's then, you know, got through rehab and went to med school, got through med school, started doing all of his post um med school career and then got incredibly sick in 2015. He's had his fair share of stressors in the time that we've been together. So, of course, he's had the days when suddenly on the outside looking in like it looks like I'm the reason to blame for everything. And it would be so easy for me out of almost habit to say, "Oh, well, he's paralyzed, so XYZ. Oh, he's paralyzed and he's a med student. So XYZ. Oh, he's paralyzed, a doctor and now he's sick again. So and just keep giving the get out of jail free cards. But what ends up happening if I were to do that, is it becomes the patterned way of interaction, uh, interacting, it would be the foundation of my marriage. And it would be the, you know, the way I'm teaching somebody how to treat me. And that's not on him. That's entirely on me to say like, yes, like you have your pile, you have, you know, your disability, you have a demanding job that you've Chosen, You have all of these challenges and health things in front of you, but you also chose to get into a relationship with me. And if you're going to be in a relationship with me, you have to follow the relationship rules of decency. That's the part so many people forget is we say, oh, this person's having a hard time. Oh, this person's doing this. Oh, this person. I'm just going to, you know, do my best to keep the grocery shopping as, you know, budget friendly as possible. I'm just going to be as quiet as I possibly can in the morning and I'm going to take care of watching the kids so he can sleep as much as possible. Or I'm just going to start sending more flowers so she can see, you know, feel more loved and adored. I'm just going to do this so this person will do that. And we can't stop the other person's behavior by managing them. The only way we do it is by reminding them <laughs> that they have a choice to be in a relationship with us. And if they don't want to, because they would rather do a pissing and moaning competition, they get to, but they don't get to do that and also have us. That is the hard conversation, but that's actually the core of what we're talking about. That's what the article is going after. That's what all of the commentary and all of the other questions is people are writing to me and they're saying like, well, I've seen all these other questions and comments, but I'm sure like my, like my situation's a little bit different. I don't have to manage it that way. I don't have to have the hard conversation, but we are 100% responsible for the treatment we accept you know that beginning middle and end and it doesn't sound nice to hear and it doesn't sound nice to feel but it's absolutely true that we can't control what anyone says to us we can't control what anybody does to us but what we do in response and what we don't do in response is 100 percent our responsibility we teach people how to treat us based on how we respond to them and if the pattern in your relationship, in your friendship, in your collegial relationship is one where you are just the punching bag for someone else's bad mood, then That doesn't stop until you start participating in that pattern differently, until you start doing something differently, until you say, you know what, this is what's going on. I see that you're hurt. I see that you're this, but this isn't working for me. And my friends, I'll tell you like... Full frontal honesty. I had to do it in my own relationship in 2015 when my husband was sick because obviously, like, he had a pile of stressors. And it suddenly became him against the world. And I was included in that world he was up against. And I had to say, listen, I know that you're sick as anything. I know that you can't even remember the last time you felt good. But you are being really rude and really inappropriate. And you're making it so I don't want to take care of you. So I am going to take Like I'm going to check out for a little while. You are going to have to take care of yourself and you get to decide that if you still want my help, you have to treat me differently. Now, I said that sobbing. I said that with tears going down my face. I said that just shaking in my shoes because who says that to somebody who's been so chronically ill? Well, the reality is, is I had to say it because it's absolutely not okay no matter what's going on with somebody that they bite the hand that feeds them. But if I go, oh, that's okay, he's he's managing a lot, it's this, it's that, like, it just becomes the patterned way that he would continue to treat me as the illness progressed, and by the time he got better, I would be getting the hell out of Dodge, because that's how it goes. When people are chronically treated that way, they shut down. When people are chronically treated that way, they jet off and they run away, or they have affairs, or or they keep secrets, or they quietly cope in ways that are wholly inappropriate. The most healthy thing you can do for yourself, for your self-esteem, for your self-respect, but also for the health of the relationship is to have boundaries and uphold them. You might not always know the words. You might not always have the script and that's what you've got me for. I've got you and I've got your back. You know, give me a call, reach out to me on email and I will help you navigate whatever hard conversation you found yourself in. But it doesn't end until you do something differently that's the part of the conversation that you have control over so if you are in a stuck spot if you are finding yourself chronically unhappy or managing a toxic relationship that you can't seem to find a way to make healthy again i really invite you for, to join me in a you know in a being human session just you know i'm going to include a link at the end of this uh podcast episode for an introductory call connect with me and if your issues you know is too close to the therapy realm and it's not you know completely in line with what I'm currently doing I'll tell you but I'll help you find somebody who might be a good fit but I can't tell you how often it's conflicts like this that weigh business people down that weigh everybody down as they move through the world it's the thing that holds us back and if we want to build our best lives and be our best selves we have to put ourselves first. We have to take a seat at the table and we have to demand the respect that we've earned beginning, middle and end. This isn't an easy conversation. And you can see that again, I'm going to link to the show in the show notes to this article, you can see that this is a really hard hurting spot for people. But you don't have to manage it alone. I will gladly have your back. You just need to ask me for help. So if you need my help, um, you know, get yourself in on that scheduling link. If you have a question and you want my two cents on it, you always have my e- email address, at Heather, I choose to have it all. Dot com. This is a hard conversation, my friends, and I'm sure it brings up all kinds of issues and all kinds of questions. I will cl- gladly, gladly continue the conversation with you if you let me know where you're stuck. Thank you. Thank you so much for today. Thanks for sitting with me in these hard conversations, and I look forward to talking to you next time. Bye for now.